a bit lit, celebrating creativity and research of all kinds. Daniel, hello, how are you? I, I'm doing well, how are you? Yeah, I'm good too, thank you. I'm really delighted to be speaking to you today. I know we are we're having an especially devilly conversation, so I'm excited about that. Um, would you mind introducing yourself and telling us a bit about your, your work, please? Yes, of course. Uh, my name is Daniel Freud. I'm a uh, fifth year PhD candidate at Purdue University uh, in Indiana. Uh, I'm currently finishing up my dissertation, uh, which is titled Enlightenment Devilry and traces devilry as both a subject and a mode of inquiry uh, throughout the long 18th century from Paradise Lost to Gothic fiction. And do you mind telling us a bit more about what you mean by subject and mode of inquiry? Yes, of course. Uh, so I'm interested in narratives in which uh, devils actually appear as, as characters. Um, so not just references or, or um, turns of phrase, um, but I'm also interested in works that use, uh, that use devils to, to do something, to provoke certain, certain kinds of thinking. So my ar argument essentially is that uh, throughout the 18th century, writers use uh, devilry to uh, present uh, certain kinds of knowledge as both uh, enticing, exciting, um, but also dangerous or threatening. Uh, it's essentially the idea of the, the deal with the devil as, as being something forbidden, but also also exciting, right? Um, which is essentially uh, the, the, the serpent in the Garden of Eden, but also the, the Faust legend. Um, and I found that in a variety of works, um, both dramatic and fictional, uh, writers tend to use devils to, to, to do similar things, to investigate uh, knowledge, to investigate the purpose of, say, novels, the purpose of theater. Um, so devils are also often uh, uh, self-reflexive. They invite the reader or the, or the viewer to think about what they're in the act, act of, of doing. Great. Thank you so much. This is fascinating. I'm really looking forward to unpacking some of this. Um, I guess my first question then is, if I wanted to use a devil to unpack and understand the art form that I'm writing in, to investigate, for example, the novel from within my novel, how would I do that? What is my kind of, what's my toolkit for doing that? Do you mind giving us either some examples or just talking us through how that would work? Uh, I'll use my, my favorite example. Um, th there's a really interesting text called uh, The Devil Upon Two Sticks. Uh, it's actually a French text uh, by Alain René Lesage, uh, first published in, I think, 1707. Uh, but, it, but it was translated into English in 1709. Um, and it was actually very, very popular and influential throughout the century. There were uh, retranslations. Tobias Smollett uh, published a, a, a translation in the 1750s, I think. Um, there were stage adaptations, sequels, uh, like the devil upon two sticks in England, for, for example. Um, so it was it was quite a an, an influential text, um, and it's fascinating. So uh, in this story, a man is uh, running through the streets of Madrid at night, and he stumbles into a uh, a magician's room, um, and he opens a bottle, and the devil Asmodeus pops out, and saves the man from the people who are who are chasing him. Um, and it, in gratitude for being freed, uh, Asmodeus offers to show the man around Madrid and to uh, take off the roofs of houses to let him peek inside and see what people are getting up to uh, behind closed doors. Uh, so it's sort of a, um, it's, it, it's the 
frame story for a series of tales in which basically they walk around the street and you know peek into people's windows see what kinds of things they're doing um so uh i think there there are a lot of things going on here we get uh the sort of um gossipy information about people's private lives that uh that becomes increasingly important to uh, the novel in the early 18th century. We get a devil who um, who provokes who pr provokes curiosity and allows this man uh, to access this knowledge that he would not, he wouldn't otherwise get. Um, so that so that's a that's a significant te text for me, and I trace how uh, these sorts of um, exchanges appear in other texts. And I can sometimes trace this in more abstract ways. So in the chapter in which I discuss the devil, the devil upon two sticks, I also discuss Roxana by Daniel Defoe. Um, devils do not actually appear as characters in that book, but Roxana constantly refers to her own actions and those of others as being uh, the work of the devil or the devil acting through someone. So I read Roxana as a sort of uh, satire of contemporary prose fiction um, in which Roxana uh, attempts to explore her own her own guilt, her own culpability, um, but also the the moral and epistemological value of her her own story, uh, but by using the devil as a as a way to sort of measure that. Um, and it's an inter interesting text for this kind of analysis because uh, it presents itself as a, uh, a confession. Roxana has converted to Christianity. She is offering her story as a, a lesson for the, the virtuous reader. Um, but uh, there isn't a lot of uh, useful didactic information in the text. <laughs> um, Roxana keeps telling us about how she sort of deceives people, she uses people, she engages in all this bad behavior. Um, and the end of the story is... Uh, very bizarre and sort of um, abrupt because Roxana tells us that that she was um, brought low by the by the the blast of heaven, and she eventually repents. But we, we don't really know how that comes about. Uh, so the the text sort of tells us it's going to do one thing, but it doesn't really do that. And in my reading, uh, we can trace how it's sort of self reflexive about its worth as a piece of fiction and as a sort of uh, piece of moral content by. Uh, exploring what the devil is doing in that text. Okay, great. So just to make sure I've understood and just to summarize where we've got to, in some of your texts, the devils are appearing as characters and in others, they're sort of haunting the way characters feel about what they're doing and what other people are doing. So they're sort of there as discursive ways of explaining agency. You know, this is happening because the devil is, um, is causing it. If it's okay to linger with um, the devil upon two six, I've got a, I've got a lot of questions about. I do not know this text, so I'm really fascinated. Um, I'm going to throw all the questions at you once. So you can take them in whatever order you want, Daniel, and we can revisit them. Firstly, what is that title saying? I don't understand that title. Can you talk us through that? Um, and then, secondly, is this some sort of 18th century version of reality TV reality TV show that we're having ruse taken off and we're being beamed directly into people's homes and and seeing what they're up to? Um, actually, I'll save my other question because that's already two big questions. But yeah, could you tell us a bit more about about that, please? Yeah. So uh, the title is uh, it's Asmodeus's uh, nickname. So he he tells the scholar early on that he got into a fight with another devil and was pushed out of the sky and landed on the ground and he broke both of his legs. So he uses crutches. So he's oh. he's the devil on on two sticks. <laughs> 
So that seems to come straight out of um, myths around around Vulcan, I presume, the kind of god of fire and um, smith making. Uh, he gets pushed out of out of Olympus, and and yeah, that's being... um, it, and you know it's it's interesting because uh, Asmodeus his backstory is kind of a hodgepodge. He also at one point identifies himself with Cupid. He says he's the the devil of of chemistry and astrology. So there isn't a um, an incredibly consistent. <laughs> Uh, backstory in this text, it's sort of drawing on a on a lot of different elements, but strongly foregrounding his disability. So that's, that's yes, very yes, for sure. Um, and then I guess the the other question I had was about, in a way, it was again about uh, about agency, but also revisiting that question you raised at the start of using the devil to explore the limits and the function of literature. Um, so the devil gets rescued and then takes the character off on a journey. It sounds to me like you then get a series of, of inset narratives. You've got the kind of wider story of the rescuing of the devil and where that leads, but you're then being taken along from house to house perhaps. Um, so the devil is sort of a director or an author or a producer of narrative. I don't know what the right, what right language is there, but is it in that sense you're talking about the devil being used to kind of explore literature as a thing? Uh, yes, yeah, I, I, I like that you said the word producer, because uh, to return to your question about reality TV, that is almost kind of how I think of the devil, especially in this text, like you, like he, he, he's sort of arranging things, he's making the story possible, he's letting you see into what's, what, what's happening uh, beneath the roof. Um, so in this way, uh, it, it seems to me that it's almost like uh, laying bare what a work of fiction does, right? Like it's letting you peer into someone's private life, but it's it's making the act of peering into life, uh, someone's life uh, part of the narrative, right? So rather than just like reading about, about someone's life, you're reading about someone who's gaining access to this information in this fantastical way, the devil lifting the roofs off of someone's house and, and letting you see inside. Wow, so not just teasing the fabric of literature and what makes it tick, but literally the fabric of the buildings, kind of <laughs> architectural yeah. deconstruction as well as literary. And uh, um, Alan Moore, uh, in his recent novel, Jerusalem, uh, it's like this massive 1200 page novel, uh, which I recommend if you have a lot of time on your hands. It's a, it's a pretty impressive uh, uh, novel. Uh, Alan Moore has a, has a section called the Esmodius Flight. So that's the sort of the most recent iteration of The Devil Upon Two Sticks. Um, and uh, in that book, the, the character posits this idea of lifting the roofs off people people's houses as sort of seeing in an additional dimension. Um, so you have to sort of follow Alan Moore down his his route of uh, complex mathematics and uh, magic. <laughs> um, but it is it is an idea that's still sort of circulating in, in popular culture. Yeah, I'm thinking about The Good Place as well, which has been one of my kind of lockdown discoveries. Um, and there's a show all about, you know, devil's that shows really asking questions about agency and storytelling, I think, because the, the human characters keep being forced through iterations of the same stories in order to see how they will or won't respond. Um, so right, that's yeah, that, that's true. Um, and th that's also a story in which uh, the narrative mechanics are sort of brought to the surface because the characters are forced to think about the act of like developing as a person. Um, so it is kind of self-reflexive in that way. Yeah. Um, so Daniel, just to, to zoom out from the detail that you've given us already in terms of a devil upon two sticks and you've mentioned uh, Roxana. Um, do you mind telling us a bit about why this time period for thinking about this topic? So it sounds like to you there's something important about 
enlightenment uh, thoughts um, and uh, and devilry? Like, what what is what for you is the what what brings those two things together? Well, I have to say that part of my interest in doing this project was a sense of stubbornness. <laughs> um, Roxana was the first text I read that got me interested in this topic because I read it and noticed all the references to the devil, and I thought. Uh, you know, where are the other devils in this, in this period? Um, this was uh, very early on in my, my PhD program, and I sort of had this fuzzy idea of the 18th century as the age of reason, right? Um, so it, it seemed odd to me that this text and, if you, and if you, a few others featured devils so, so powerfully. Um, so I wanted to see, I, I wanted to fi find the devils basically to sort of go on a scavenger hunt and try to <laughs> try to find all of them. Um, but there are a lot of reasons why the devil is a, is a um, an, an interesting figure in, in this period. And, and I think it is partly because we think of the 18th century as the age of reason, the age in which secularization is beginning to take hold, um, in which the, uh, the Church of England is sort of trying to distinguish itself from uh, certain other certain other denominations that seem extreme to um, Anglicans, such as Catholicism, uh, with its emphasis on like pageantry and, and popetry, uh, sorry, uh, popery, right? Um, or uh, Puritanism with its focus on like the, uh, the eschatological, right? Like the, 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 uh, the end times. Um, so we have this period we think of as sort of the, the secularizing period. Um, and I, I think, I, I think in this period, people are rethinking what the purpose of the devil is. Is the devil an actual being um, who who lives and can like walk among us on earth, or is the devil just like um, a metaphor or something that we should use to sort of understand morality and how to be a good person? Um, so the devil, hell, those are things that people are actively renegotiating, right? Thinking through whether they are real, whether they're more metaphorical, how, how we should use those in our lives. Um, and I think that's partly why we, we get devils um, in a lot of different texts, in a lot of different genres, because, because people are working through um, what, what purpose the devil should serve should, uh, in, in our lives. Yeah, thank you. Um... You said that your project's taking Milton as a sort of temporal starting point. So um, just to be perverse, and then we're in the middle of a conversation, if we can now cycle back to the start of your historical period, um, do you mind telling us where Milton fits in this? Yeah. Um, well, I, you know, I, on, a, on a sort of practical level, I figured I had to start with Milton because Milton's Satan is arguably the most famous devil in all of English literature. Um, and in my in my reading of of Milton, I I actually am, am focusing on how Milton uses Satan to uh, think through um, chronicles of history. So there are a lot of references early on in Paradise Lost to um, nations in the Middle East and in the Far East, um, and uh, Milton links Satan to those those other nations. The, the, those other histories in order in my reading to um, reject them as uh, not the accurate viewpoint, right? Um, because Milton is in, in, interested in establishing a, cer a certain perspective on Christian history and, and sort of justifying the, the story of Christianity as, as valid. Um, and I, I, I link Paradise Lost to some sort of unusual texts um, to Defoe's, Defoe again, he pops up quite a bit, uh, Defoe's 
political history of the devil in which uh, Defoe's Satan takes issue with Milton's representation of him, but also Haywood's Eovi, which is a, a very peculiar oriental tale. And uh, in all three of these texts, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think through how these authors are negotiating uh, non-Western visions of, of history or of the, the earliest history of the planet. Um, and are, are arguing that that they're using the, de the devil to think through but reject those those non-Western histories as as dangerous as invalid. And you mentioned Hayward. Can you tell us more about Hayward? Yes, I can. Um, uh, Hayward, uh, she she wrote so many books in so, so many genres. She was totally brilliant. I think. Um, and Eovi is probably the weirdest book I've ever read. Uh, it's an oriental tale set in, um, it's, it's what would be uh, Oceania, um, Australia, um, in the time before Adam was created. So tens of thousands of years in the past um, in this sort of orientalized uh, fantasy kingdom, essentially. Um, and devils don't crop up a lot in this text but we do get these references to evil spirits who sort of animate the 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 evil sorcerer in the text and he relies on them to gain to gain knowledge that he uses to uh to cause political uh, uh political unrest mm. um and there's also a fascinating frame uh frame narrative in which the tale itself is translated uh from the the natural language of humanity into Chinese and then to English. So it has all these layers of obfuscation. Um, and that too, I think works with what Eliza Haywood is trying to do in terms of thinking through these, um, these, uh, these non-Western uh, versions of how humanity emerged, right? She, uh, she, she references some contemporary books on, um, on the flood, on the idea of the original language of humanity, um, but she presents she 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 proves these ideas to be maybe uh, uh, dangerous or flawed or um, or invalid. Yeah, great. Thank you. That's fascinating, um, Daniel. It sounds to me like your work is unbelievably widely encompassing and thinking about hugely uh, cross national um, questions, cross religious questions and conversations and I really love how we're we're covering kind of the the uh the kind of the, the male canonical figures of this period like Milton and Defoe on the one hand and then someone like Eliza Hayward on the other and I know Hayward best from um a very short story she wrote called Fantomino which is just um incredible and I think she was called in the period Mrs Novel or Mistress Novel feel free to correct me on that but yeah I think it was M Mrs Novel Mrs Novel this hugely prolific um, central figure who, um, thanks to feminist scholarship um, of the last 20, 30 years, um, is finally getting a, a more focal point. And it's wonderful to hear your work bringing attention to hers. Um, but certainly Fantomina for me raises some of these uh, similar questions. I don't know if you know the story, but um, um, it's, it's about a, a young woman who has sex uh, with the same man um, by pursuing him in various different social identities. She dresses up as various characters in order to to seduce them and it raises incredibly um, exciting yet uncomfortable questions about sexuality and consents um, but also agency again and the question of who has made me do this comes up particularly at the end of the story so those questions of agency feel really pressing in other parts of her work and I should be going back to that novel that I feel like I know well and 
looking out for the devil now because you're making me you're giving me devil tinted spectacles to go back to this work with <laughs> well the uh the other text by her that i would recommend in this line of in inquiry is a, another one i write about uh a spy upon the conjurer which is a, a a short novel she wrote about the uh the scottish fortune teller duncan campbell um there are four or five texts published about him in the the 1720s um and in A Spy Upon the Conjurer, uh, we get the, the main character, Justicia, who is obsessed with Campbell and his supposed ability to foretell the future. Um, and we get all these references to her being sort of driven driven mad by curiosity. She, she steals stuff from his house. She uh, pieces together torn up pieces of paper because she wants to get more information. Um, and it's actually that text where we get the phrase, the devil of curiosity. So that's, a, that's another place where the devil is used to sort of uh, measure the 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 moral value of what we're doing we're reading about justicia's uh pursuit for all kinds of uh secrets right illicit information about other people <laughs> yeah fascinating um so we've got this self-consciously christian culture which is also self-consciously uh rational culture as you were telling us earlier um why this fascination and fixation with the devil. Well, I think the devil has always been a very, a very popular figure in, um, like, uh, chat books, morality plays. To go back to, you know, uh, the medieval period, uh, a popular figure to think through uh, what scares us, uh, what what we know or think we know about being good people. So I think that I, I think the devil is is. Uh, a, a key figure in popular culture anyway. Um, but I think in, in the 18th century, um, sorry, I'm trying to think about question. Don't worry. Um, I mean, you're right. There's a, there's a long cultural backstory there, isn't there? Of yeah. Fascination with the devil. And you mentioned popular culture and I guess in a way, maybe that's a helpful way into this question of, of whether what you're tracing here is, popular culture so you know if for example is paradise lost popular culture um and is it popular culture in the same way that hayward or defoe's work is i mean i don't know the answer to those questions but um it feels like the devil is both useful as you've said but also an unsettling way to think about uh, literature and the questions that literature raises right yeah i, I agree um and, and I, I think it is worth thinking about uh whether the devil is being used in, in more like in like higher cultural forms like the the epic or in like lower forms such as the novel or or uh, theater you know which is often criticized for being sort of dangerous or or or, or just useless because it's it's not it's not teaching people anything. <laughs> um, so I think there is a d distinction between sort of like high and low uses for the devil, but at the same time, I I don't think we can always make clear cut distinctions between the high and the low. Yeah, absolutely. In a way, the figure of a devil is a useful way of reminding us that those distinctions are often um, not very helpful. Um, I mean, I guess I'm thinking about a poem like Paradise Lost, and I'm not going to say anything very profound here. I guess this is kind of a, a, a critical truism, but um, the devil occupies such an odd place there of antagonist and protagonists, of kind of um, the enemy of, of mankind, the enemy of God, but also the person whose story we follow through the through the experience of reading or hearing the poem. I don't know, is that true of his appearance in other 
kinds of works? Are we invited? I mean, um, the dev devil upon two sticks. It sounds like again we are invited to come along with for the ride with the devil. Um, so it, does does he continue to have that slightly odd function of both a bad person but also a fun person to be with across the, the lifespan of the of the art form? I don't know if it's anywhere as as complex as as in Paradise Lost, but but maybe that's that's unfair to uh, to, to mo most works. Um, I mean, one thing that's interesting about Satan in in Paradise Lost is that he's he's a rebellious figure, but he's also necessary to the unfolding of of Christian history, right? So he's sort of it, in a sense he's a cog in a machine, right? He like he do, he does rebel, but he also has to serve a purpose, which is to uh, allow for the, the Felix Culpa by the end. Um, so he does that have that sort of contradictory position. Um, and in, in uh, other texts, uh, yes, I think it's true that that the devil has a, a similarly um, a similarly complicated or sort of contradictory function. Um, I'm thinking of another text now, uh, The Adventures of Lucifer in London. Uh, I can't think of the date off the top of my head. I think it's 1790s. Um, a great title. <laughs> yeah, it, it is a great title. It's a, it's a really weird text. I'm probably one of the few people who's, who's ever read it in the, the 21st century anyway. Um, but in, the, in that book, uh, Lucifer uh, is writing a letter to the Infernal Council and Pandemonium. Um, and he, 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 uh, body hops throughout London. So he, he takes on different people's souls. So sometimes he's a, a rich person. Sometimes he's a soldier. Sometimes he's, uh, you know, a, a gentleman, et, et cetera, et cetera. So he, he gets these different views of what life in London is like through all these different perspectives. And he's, he's, uh, giving information to the infernal council on, on, on what life is like for, for all, all these different, uh, uh, portions of society. So a little bit like Devil Upon Two Sticks, he's sort of a tour guide uh, or a tourist traveling from kind of place to place, whether it's from house to house in one story or from body to body in another. And I, I presume that those shifts are all about shifting between class positions, status positions, gendered positions, um, so there's something there then about the devil offering a, you know, quite often we talk about these days, um, you know, what would an alien make of the earth if they would suddenly appear now um, to think about this, that or the other. Um, and it feels like the devil's kind of been co-opted as a supernatural uh, arrivist to uh, English politics in this case. Um, but yeah, is there something going on there then about, you know, why is that viewpoint useful? What is that viewpoint of seeing ourselves via a body hopping devil what work is that doing yeah that's a good good question i think it has to do with what what you just said about the idea of an alien arriving on earth you know the the devil is uh in some ways an insider to human culture because he's he's, he's been observing us and and maybe influencing us uh for a very long time uh but at, at the same time he's an outsider he has this perspective as someone who's not human you know and and someone who who's fallen from from god's grace so he's in a position to uh potentially cause harm to humans uh but also to observe them uh with that outsider perspective yeah there's something slightly creepy about the idea of him as a human connoisseur that's terrifying <laughs> Yeah, at any, at any moment, the devil could sort of could hop into my body and see what it's like to live in Indiana, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. 
Um, Daniel, we're sort of heading towards the end of the film. Um, in a minute, I'll just check in with you about anything that you'd like to discuss that I haven't given you given you time for. But I guess one question that I have for you, and it's another big one, and feel free to to bat it back if it's too big or too silly. But who are these texts being written for? I guess I'm particularly thinking about this most recent text. Is this being written for um, Londoners who would recognise for London that Satan is visiting? Is it being written for a wider English community who might, you know, enjoy? laughing at the Londoners and self-identifying as a, as a non-Londoner. Do we have a sense of who is consuming these devilly uh, books, who they're for? Yeah, th that's a good good, uh, good question. In, in some ways, that's hard to trace because some of these texts are so obscure, like The Adventures of Lucifer in London. Um, it's on Echo, which is how I read it. Um, but there are maybe like two or three contemporary reviews and then no scholarship at all. Um, and I, I think a text like that is, uh, is very much popular culture, you know, it's, it's written to amuse people. And I would say it, it is written to amuse people in London who can sort of pick it up and laugh at uh, the, the, the sort of outsider perspective on what life in London is like, you know. Um, but we also get, get some interesting moments. The devil actually comments on, uh, on racial issues a couple of times in the, in the text and on how non-white people are treated poorly, which really surprised me when, when I read it. I, wouldn't, I guess I wouldn't expect this text, which is mostly so... Um, silly and ridiculous to also have some moments, I guess, of, of sin sincerity here and there. So, um, you know, it's, it, it's written to amuse, but it, but it also makes some, some genuine points, I think, about uh, uh, what life is like in different portions of society. Another instance is when the devil points out that when he is a rich person, life is really great because he can do whatever he wants. But when he, he enters the body of, a, of a, a poorer person, life is more difficult because he, he doesn't have access to the same sorts of resources, right? Yeah, fantastic. Thank you. I've really enjoyed this conversation and um, I'm especially impressed at how you cope with my uh, probably very stupid and, and massive question. So thank you. I, I take great delight in your description of yourself as a on a scavenger hunt for the devil. Good luck with that. That's a very brave thing to do. I feel like you're um like one of the wardens at Jurassic Park. Uh, you want to be very careful of the the people you're hunting down. Um, and we tend to end these films, Daniel, by asking um what the word literature means to you. And I guess I'm I'm also interested if you have time and you're willing to think about this um to hear about what the word literature might mean to some of the people producing the texts you've been telling us about, some of the people who might have been consuming them, but also perhaps for the devil himself, who, you know, you've told us is busily writing letters back to hell, giving updates like a postcard, wish you were here, uh, updates of his holiday in London. Um, where, does, where does literature sit either for you or for your texts or for the characters in them? I would say that um, I think for a lot of my texts, but also for me, literature is, it's a way of thinking about the world. It's a way of, uh, of gaining knowledge about the world, um, which doesn't necessarily have to, have to be factual knowledge, right? It can also be uh, sort of moral knowledge or just ways of thinking about like how, how to live or um, ways of thinking about what life is like in a, um, this or that that part of the world, but it's also a way of engaging with ideas, right? Like when I referred to um, Eovai as, as engaged with all of these uh, theological and historical texts on like the natural language of humanity. Um, 
in some ways it is a, a sort of serious intellectual endeavor, but it's disguised in all of these layers of of romance and orientalism and and weirdness, you know. Um, so yeah, I, I guess I would say that literature is um, it's a tool for 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 thinking through uh, for thinking things through. <laughs> that's that's very broad, but I think it's I think that's true. But it's also it's also entertaining. So it's not it's not just that. Yeah, thank you. It's helpful. And in a way, what I love about the work you're doing is that you're thinking about the devil as a tool for thinking through literature and now thinking about literature as a tool for thinking through other things. So there's this wonderful kind of Russian doll effect of thinking about the devil in literature that you've introduced us to. Yeah, I think that I think that's exactly right. <laughs> um, Daniel, thank you so much for your time. I've really enjoyed hearing about this. Um, and good luck with the rest of your work. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you for uh, doing this video with me. You're welcome.